Here we go. I have my friend, superstar Leslie Yancey, with a lot of initials after her name on LinkedIn. So I have to ask about every single one because I'm a curious person. Um, So I was asking before we started recording, are you a EMT or paramedic or were you ever any of those things? So I'm not. I am a registered respiratory therapist. Okay. And is that, do you work in a hospital or do you work in like a facility that's like outside of a hospital? So respiratory therapists do work in the hospital and um, their main objective is to manage a patient's airway. So anywhere that a patient is not breathing or stops breathing, that's where a respiratory therapist is. So when trauma patients come in, you deal with them too as well? Absolutely. Our, um, our position in the trauma bay is at the head of the bed. So when, the, right. when the trauma is rolled in, that's, that's where we, that's where our spot is right at the head of the bed. I'll tell you what I remember from EMT school, ABC airway, breathing, circulation that's right. in that, in that order, in that that's order. Right. That's right. So that makes a respiratory therapist pretty important with the A being our job. Yes, the A being the most important. If the airway is yeah. not clear, then uh, you got big problems. You're not doing anything else either. If you're not breathing, you're not doing much of anything else. <laughs> <laughs> so what is the MS for? What does that stand for? So that is, I have a master's degree in education. So that's my master's okay. degree. So yeah. you could teach. Do you teach? I, I, I have taught, yes. I have taught at the university level, yes. Uh, that's pretty cool. What state are you in? So I am in the state of Ohio. All right. Yeah, I said I hear a little bit of Southern accent, but were you born in the South or were you born in Ohio? No, sir. I was born in Ohio, but I am on the most Southern tip of Ohio and I border Kentucky and West Virginia. So that's probably where the accent comes from. A hundred percent because I, my mother's from North Carolina and I recognize a Southern accent as soon as I hear it. You probably hear my New York accent and, uh, I don't even try to hide it. I'm proud of being from New York. Right. And, uh, I think it, you know, it makes us different. I, uh, sometimes when I hear my own self in recordings, I'm like, oh my God, my accent is so, so strong. But yeah, I, I don't I've... listen. I don't listen to anything that I do. I listen to no <laughs> podcast, none of my public speaking. I don't listen to any of it. I'm like, I was there for it. Why do I have to listen to it again? <laughs> How did you get into public speaking? Because I see that you, uh, the reason why we connected is because you help first responders. And I'm curious to know how you fell into that because I want to highlight anyone that's doing that kind of work. Right. So my background is um, I became a respiratory therapist in early 2000s, um, starting school in 2001. So I got my my respiratory certification and degrees and started working at a, a pretty large trauma hospital in Huntington, West Virginia. And I worked bedside there for 15 years. So that's where I gained a lot of my experience as a respiratory therapist. And then a lot of the bad stuff that I talk about now or the exposure, the traumatic exposure, that's also where that came from. So um, I ended up leaving bedside about six years ago. And when I did leave, I personally had a lot of issues. Um, I... Mm kind of found into a dark place and that's not really my bend. Um, I'm, I'm a very positive person naturally, but when I left that 
environment. I always say when I left the fire, I didn't know how to function um, because I'd functioned in that traumatic, high stress pace for all those years. And I didn't know what to do. And there was no resources for me to help myself. So I educated myself, helped myself, and then turned that into reaching back and to help others. That's pretty cool. I love your logo. Uh, did you have someone design that, the uh, the blue? So when I look at it, it's, it's red, white, and blue. And when I look right. at it, it, it looks like um, kind of help, help for heroes. I'll just show that on the screen real quick. Yeah. It it looks like um, I had that designed um, um, actually by a former. Well, he's still a a firefighter, um, John Kowalski. Um, He does a lot of marketing and he is also a firefighter. So he worked with me and and we came up with that design. You got to link us up, um, share his profile if he's on LinkedIn or whatever, whatever. I'm on all of I'm on all of them. You got to link us up so I could talk with them. I'm into and anybody that's doing marketing and speaking. And I know that you're speaking on stages. Uh, why did you start speaking from stages? Like, how did you get into that? So when I started, it's actually kind of funny because I've got this accent and I am a, I am a country girl born and raised, um, raised up the holler. Um, um, I am educated. You know, I do have this accent and I think a lot of times people associate an accent with lack of intelligence and that is absolutely not true. Um, But when I started bringing attention um, and started seeking, there was no one out there. So I thought, well, you know, if why not me? Why not me? Why not go and do this? So. My job now, I currently work for a med device company, and it has provided me with a lot of connections, a lot of networking, just because I go all over the country. And um, I actually was sitting down with with a customer at the time, and she and I were having conversations, and she was a respiratory therapist as well. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm kicking this around, and, and um, I... I think I want to present it. And she was, she was actually organizing a conference at the time. And she said, well, you can speak for me. She said, you know, um, gave me the date and she said, come on and, and you could speak for me. So the very first time I got on stage, there were probably about 300 people in attendance. And, um, (laughs) yeah, so I, I've never lacked in the speaking department as far as I'm very comfortable speaking and I had taught at, at a college level. So speaking in front of classrooms, things like that were never an issue. But when it comes to that personal stuff, um, it is a whole different level of difficulty that you just don't really realize until you do it. So um, I remember being at the Be- back. Being vulnerable. Right. You mean like being vulnerable? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and I actually wasn't comfortable with that. And I don't know if you can you can speak to this as well, but um, first responders and healthcare workers, um, we have this very tough exterior and we don't want to talk about when we have issues. Um, I, I think, you know, that is so many times correlated with weakness and it's that's that's not it at all and actually i thought it you know it it takes a lot of strength to talk about um you know issues that you're having and being vulnerable so i was at the back of the room and i remember (laughs) i remember looking and in my head i was i i thought 
Leslie, these people don't want to hear you. Like, why are you here? And um, had to talk myself out of a full panic attack. Had you know? Um, okay. So I, I went up and and I did my presentation. And when I came off the stage, there were several people that came up to me later and said you said exactly what I needed to hear. And, and I've struggled and no one has said the same, the things that you said, you actually get us, you're actually on our side. And, and when they came to me with those comments, it kind of built my confidence up that why not me, you know, why, why not me? And since then um, I've spoke nationally, I, I, I have, um, you know, spoken all over the country and it, and it still surprises me every time because, <laughs> because I'm like, why me? Um, but as long as people are benefiting from what I'm saying, I'm going to go out and I'm going to say it. That's awesome. Hold on. I got to see if I could do this cheering effect. Let's see if you could <laughs> see if you could hear this. Uh, I'm kind of slow with the, with the effects. Uh, I'll yeah, just clap for you myself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't figure out how to do these special effects. It's okay. Anyway. So that's how I started. That's how I started. And then, um, where's your I, next, um, where's your next speaking engagement? So my next speaking what, engagement, what I actually speak for the state of, uh, West Virginia. They're having a respiratory conference at, uh, Canaan Valley. Um, that's coming up, I believe the 31st, um, uh, January 31st is I do that. And, um, I've been invited to one in Florida in March. Um, I had, one in Texas. So I have, I have several ones that come up and usually I always post them on my, my Instagram page when I do have speaking engagements coming up. But when I, when I left bedside, you know how I, I didn't just, I went through the process of healing myself. Then I thought, Hey, I need some street cred because I, I have the work experience, but how are they going to listen to me? So then I went back and another one of my credentials that you spoke about was um, certified trauma recovery coach. So I went back to and, and did a program for certified trauma recovery. And actually, I learned more about myself during that education than I did um, about I went in with the idea of, oh, I'm going to do this to help others. And I, I learned so much about myself as far as like childhood trauma. And most of us that go into the first responder healthcare community, we come from um, areas where we want to help people because maybe we didn't have that help growing up. So um, that's mm. kind of a, a common thing that we share in the first re responder healthcare community. You're it's very true. Yeah, yeah. because I was going to say part of my story was uh, domestic violence and I had right. to call 911 at nine years old and the cops came and helped out my family. So right. uh, I totally, totally get that. And then uh, at 20 years old, I was a, more like 18. I was approached by a recruiter in high school and um, he said, ah, fill out this form. You know, the test will be in a couple of years. And he's like, you may co get called four years after that. And he's like, you never know where your life will be at that point. And I just happened to need a job. So I was like, this is it. And he was so engaging and entertaining that um, he kind of planted the seed and it, and it took hold. And then I just started taking civil service exams. My girlfriend now is a nurse in the ER. Um, she was working in the ED for a long time and then she started getting burnt out. So she started looking for it. Now she's in the cath lab. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that was um, where I say that a lot of actually um, 
Jan Rader is a good friend of mine. She's 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 pretty well known. She's a a, a female fire chief from Huntington, West Virginia, and um, she's on a lot of different platforms. But she and I worked together in the ER. And when I when I was kind of starting to to do that initial research of hey, has anybody had these issues, you know, with the PTSD and intrusive thoughts, like all those things that I was struggling with during that that time when I left bedside. She said, Leslie, you know, I, I've been a firefighter and I've been a, an, an ER nurse. And she said the the moments that have bothered me the most or the events that have bothered me the most have been things that have, you know, rolled in through the ER. So, you know, that was also what got my wheel spinning because, every event that she's saying she was in, a respiratory therapist was present to. Um, so I think that's what, mm. you know, I, I looked at her um, in, in high regard. I held her in high regard. So I thought if, if this lady is telling me that, that she struggles with some things, what makes me think that, that I got out and I'm, I'm just not supposed to have any, any issues from the things that we were exposed to. So I think just kind of owning that it's okay to not be okay. Um, I, I had to go through, it was a long process of, um, I can still be tough and say that I had, I had those issues or those struggles. I, um, after my divorce sought out a therapist and, um, I actually called my PBA rep and I said, Hey, um, I need someone to talk to. I'm not suicidal but i need someone to talk to because i'm under a lot of pressure and under a lot of and at that time i was in the uh special victims unit working with abused children so uh like i was dealing with some very serious types of cases and also going through a lot of stress at home so i was under a lot of pressure a lot of pressure and then going to going to court and handling court cases and then dealing with victims and then coming home and not really having anybody to uh, offload to, right. you know, and like, you know, you just sometimes you want to dump your junk on someone else, right? Yeah. <laughs> which is, yeah, which is good for you. It's just hard, part of the process, um, working through things and, yep. and, you know, to that point, so many of us, we never get out of that, that fight or flight response because we never get that downtime outside of the workplace. And it, it's so important. That's why I, I really like it. And, I, and I'm sure that you talk to a lot of people too, that, you know, spouse support is so important. And there's a Huge. lot of people out there that are advocates just for that. And, you know, how do you, how are you a supportive spouse? Um, I think that it seems like the police service um, maybe does a little bit of a better job than that. It's like healthcare doesn't really get um, brought into that circle. And I think that's another thing that I, that I try to do is make sure that we bring awareness to that, that those are stressful jobs. Those are stressful positions. Um, and those resources need to be there for healthcare workers, you know, the same as our other first responders. Yeah. That's why I advocate for nurses and because my girlfriend's a nurse, mm-hmm. I advocate for nurses and I advocate for fire. You know, I didn't realize the uh, trauma, the secondary trauma that, a lot of firemen go through and see and are exposed to until I started speaking to a lot of them. I had a lot of friends who were fire chiefs, but they weren't necessarily out in the field. So I didn't realize that a lot of firemen experience PTSD as well mm-hmm. until I started interviewing them and, and talking to them and just being more exposed to the world. How do you get um, 
what did you say? Certified trauma recovery? Yes. Yeah. How, how do you, uh, is that something online? Like that's something yeah. I'd like to look into Yeah. So because I'm, programs. I'm part of the peer, I'm part of the peer support team. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, how long is that program? It's kind of at your own pace. I think it took me close to a year to complete it. Um, but I can send that send that information over to you if you'd like to to share it. There's several programs out there, so I can um, send the one that 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 I completed. Yeah. Um, what's your next project? You, you're oh working on so many things. Oh my gosh! Yeah. So you know, and as I said before, you know, this isn't my full time job. I, I have a I have a job, and this is my passion. Um, and you know, passions don't always pay the bills, and that's okay too. But, Uh um, so my next, my next adventure, um, I got brought into a group of ladies, um, as a, I was originally a guest on, um, bullets to bedpans. So it is a a podcast on the coming home well station. Um, they have, they are a community for, um, veterans. So they offer a lot of services, um, and, um, education resources, all that for veterans. And, so they started this bullets to bedpan and it was the initial idea was, well, Leslie comes on and we see the difference or, you know, the likenesses of civilian um, versus military healthcare. So, you know, I, I hit it off with, with the two ladies. Um, they're great humans. My sons are out of uh, the house and my middle son texts me at like 10 30 at night all the time. And I'm like, dude, I'm in bed. Cause when I work days, I have mm-hmm. to get up early. So I'm like, just, uh, I'm like, just do me a favor and don't text me after nine 30. And he, he just doesn't get it. Like anytime a thought pops into his head, he's like, Oh dad, can you pick me up at uh whatever time? And, and I'm like, oh. I, and and a lot of times I just won't respond or sometimes if I forget to silence the phone, right. then um, I, I'm getting woken up at 11 o'clock at night and I get so annoyed with him and he just doesn't get it sometimes. But anyway, back to uh, I was talking about you were talking about the criminal uh, gang bloods, the bedpan, <laughs> bullets, the bedpan. Actually, we probably could start a pretty good gang because there's some there's some pretty pretty badass women, but they uh, bullets to bedpans, and um, they are on the Coming Home Well. It's a podcast. Um, uh, Coming Home Well offers a network of podcasts. Um, they offer education and resources to veterans and caregivers. So I ended up getting roped in, into that as a guest initially. And then they were like, oh, it flowed so well. We want you to be a, um, a guest host. So I did that for a while. And they decided that for 2024, they were going to start a streaming station. And they they heckled nice. me and harassed me. And they're, and I'm like, come on, guys. I'm not a, I'm not a podcaster or a or uh, a host and they're like oh no no no, you totally are we you just don't know it yet so i do have a an upcoming you are a natural yeah that's what they tell me that's what they tell me so i do have hero to hero <laughs> will have a a station on their on their streaming coming home well um i'll have a show on that is that your logo station. the hero to hero hero to hero yeah and um, my goal is to just um, kind of like the, you know, what you were saying, speaking to people within the first uh, first responder and healthcare community who are being advocates. 
um, just trying to improve the workplace, um, you know, helping mental health, just anyone who's out there doing something to try to better those, those groups of people's lives. So those are going to be my, my guests and um, we'll see. I'll probably be just as surprised as everyone else on what comes out of my mouth because I just, I don't know. We're just going to have a talk, I guess. I have uh, a dozen guests for you already, okay. so you'll never have a shortage of guests. Um, I know a lot of, do you know John Kelly out of Florida? I do not. You can connect me to anyone. I love making He is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, um, him, he's awesome. Fireman Rob, Rob uh, Ver, Verheist, I, I think I'm butchering his last name, but I'll connect you to both of those guys. They're just awesome people. I got a few female firefighters to connect you to that are just doing some phenomenal work and amazing people. And I love highlighting anyone that's out there helping the community right. of uh, first responders, heroes to hero. It's uh, I, I truly believe that there is no competition and I, I could create a hundred people doing the same exact thing as me and, and everyone will have their own distinct voice and their own distinct style. And um, I like to highlight uh, what people are doing to make money because there's a lot of people that are talking about mental health. There's a lot of people that are talking about uh, burnout, which mm -hmm. is something that I do focus on, but I like to know like what the side hustles are and how people are being coming successful, uh, helping. I, I interviewed a guy uh, out of New York City who created a like a GoFundMe uh, fund the first. It's called Fund the First. Mm -hmm. Rob Garland and um, his his company is pretty cool. It's uh, they it's kind of like a GoFundMe, but it's for first responders, and uh, they verify the they verify the projects they verify the people and their their id so um just doing the podcast i've been connected to so many amazing people right so do you do you know chief mercer over at jim beam i don't so you're gonna have to you're gonna have to connect with him so he is the fire chief for the jim beam distillery and he does a lot of projects and his goal was to raise money to put back into like the the volunteers uh departments or smaller departments that don't have the money for the equipment that they need he uses his uh platform to to make money and raise money for that so he's a great guy so chief mercer look him up um does amazing photography and i guess it didn't click in okay. my head that you know, the distillery needed a fire department, but, you know, that's all flammable. So, you know, we got to protect our stash. So, yeah, they all should have fire departments, but uh, yeah, Chief Mercer's <laughs> a good one. Yeah, he's a great guy. What's his first name? You asked me too quick. Hold on. I, um, you know he's in my phone. Chief Mercer. Can you just edit all that out? He's going to be all mad that I I think it's Kevin. Yeah. Yeah, it's Kevin. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so just edit out the minute, the, the parts where I couldn't think of it. Kevin Mercer, yes. But Chief Mercer, I believe, is his Instagram. 
All right, I'm going to mark the time right now, 6.15. Edit. <laughs> and you'll say, what is it? All right, you got it. Um, yes, ma'am. Um, I'm just going to hit you with my last five questions because uh, I respect your time and I appreciate you coming on today. What's your definition of a hero? Because your show is called Hero to Hero. Yeah, and I, I the actual definition is just an individual that does something outstanding or something above the norm. So, yeah, so people, anyone can be a hero. Um, and some people who are in hero positions aren't naturally heroes. So just people who are out there doing above and beyond. I like... Um... I always like the sidekicks <laughs> and I feel like they don't get enough credit. The, uh, I, I read a book. Um, oh, I have to edit this out too. Cause I can't remember. Uh, Donald Miller, <laughs> Donald Miller. He's the author. He has a book on heroes and he talks about heroes, uh, villains and victims. And he says that, uh, villain villains were one time victims and they turn their anger outward. Right. And sometimes a victim can go from being a victim to becoming a hero. And then the, and then you have the mentors that mentor the heroes. But I, I feel like he left out the sidekicks because the sidekicks in every Disney movie support the hero. Absolutely. And they don't get enough credit. Like they represent that that unconditional love towards the hero. And I'm gonna write I'm gonna write I'm gonna write my own book about that anyway. All right, put it on your list. When you're starting to get stressed out <laughs> and you're starting to feel like uh, you're reaching a low point, how do you save yourself? So I think I go through a process of, um, am I helping myself? You know, you got to help yourself help yourself. So am I eating right? I am I hungry? Am I tired? Uh, are those things that I can fix? And um, I start processing you know, can I change these things right now at this very moment? And if not, I need to quit stressing about them. So, you know, um, I do try to take pretty good care of myself. I try to work out first thing in the morning because if not, anxiety just carries me away. And when I do get anxious, I say, well, you know what? It's your own fault. You didn't get your workout in this morning. You wanted that extra 20 minutes in bed. So, um, so definitely, you know, am I helping myself help myself? And I, I'm a, a, a big proponent on walking away from it, whatever it is, walk away, come back to it. Um, you know, but, but definitely our health is, it should be a number one priority, especially in these high stress environments. If you have health, you have hope. And if you got hope, you got all you need. Um, I'm a big proponent of working out the, like the very first thing I do, uh, because that's my form of putting my mask on first. So huge, huge proponent of that. Yeah. Um, do you coach individuals and, or groups now? Do you do any coaching? So I do. Um, uh, like you, I'm a, also a peer support for several different groups. And I kind of found that that's a little bit easier on me um, as far as just juggling my everyday life. I, I, I do a lot of one-on-ones. If someone approaches me, I will do that. But um, I'm with a couple different groups. Safe Call Now is one of them that I'm a peer support for. 
And what they do is they connect me with the individual, normally someone that's in the healthcare or a female medic. Um, and what we do is we kind of give them love and support until they get them in with um, a therapist that meets their needs. What's your power or your best ability right now? Hmm, that's a good question. I would say... What would others say is your strength? I would say positivity. I think people ask me that a lot. How do you stay so positive? Because, you know, a lot of us that are in this, this circle, um, I'm not positive because I haven't seen bad things. I'm not positive because my life is all rainbows and roses. Um, I am positive because I know what bad looks like. I know what bad is. And lots of issues um, that make people have bad days in my in my eyes are not are not something to be stressed over so I think I think positivity probably being able to stay positive um, make the best out of situations is is probably my strength I am an internal optimist as well um, just for fun, if you had a comic book superpower, what would it be and why? Well, That's my I'm last a, question for you. I, I love Wonder Woman. Love Wonder Woman. Um, I don't know. I kind of like how she dodges bullets. Uh, you know, that, that would be pretty cool. Um, probably, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. How scary would that be? Like somebody coming, coming at you. Okay. Um, did, did you see Dr. Marston? It, there's a movie called Dr. Marston and his Wonder Women. It's actually really, really good. It's about the creation. It's about the creation. So the guy who created Wonder Woman also created the polygraph. So that's, I, I don't know if you knew that little interesting fact about Wonder Woman. So that's why that's why her her golden lasso makes people tell the truth because he created the first uh, polygraph with the blood pressure and the you know and the the heart rate monitor he created that. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I uh I just turned 48, so I'm almost I'm I'm just shy of 50. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Leslie, thank you so much for popping on and I promise to do a part 2 someday in the future after you come out with your next uh or your next movie, whatever is in the works, whatever your next passion project is. Uh, I can't wait to promote it with you. You're a lot of fun. Thank you so much for popping on.